Chapter 7, Part 3 of Glimpses of Unfamiliar Japan, First Series, by Lafcadio Hearn. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 7, The Chief City of the Province of the Gods. Section 16. The city proper is as level as a table, but is bounded on two sides by low demilunes of charming hills shadowed with evergreen foliage and crowned with temples or shrines there are thirty-five thousand souls dwelling in ten thousand houses forming thirty-three principal and many smaller streets and from each end of almost every street beyond the hills the lake or the eastern rice fields a mountain summit is always visible green blue or gray according to distance one may ride walk or go by boat to any quarter of the town for it is not only divided by two rivers but is also intersected by numbers of canals crossed by queer little bridges curved like a well-bent bow architecturally despite such constructions in european style as the college of teachers the great public school the kencho the new post office it is much like other quaint japanese towns the structure of its temples taverns shops and private dwellings is the same as in other cities of the western coast but doubtless owing to the fact that matsue remained a feudal stronghold until a time within the memory of thousands still living those feudal distinctions of caste so sharply drawn in ancient times are yet indicated with singular exactness by the varying architecture of different districts the city can be definitely divided into three architectural quarters the district of the merchants and shopkeepers forming the heart of the settlement where all the houses are two stories high the district of the temples including nearly the whole southeastern part of the town and the district or districts of the shizoku formerly called samurai comprising a vast number of large roomy garden girt one-story dwellings from these elegant homes in feudal days could be summoned at a moment's notice five thousand two-sworded men with their armed retainers making a fighting total for the city alone of probably not less than thirteen thousand warriors more than one-third of all the city buildings were then samurai homes for matsue was a military centre of the most ancient province of japan at both ends of the town which curves in a crescent along the lake shore were the two main settlements of samurai but just as some of the most important temples are situated outside of the temple district so were many of the finest homesteads of this knightly caste situated in other quarters they mustered most thickly however about the castle which stands to-day on the summit of its citadel hill the oshiroyama solid as when first built long centuries ago a vast and sinister shape all iron-gray rising against the sky from a cyclopean foundation of stone fantastically grim the thing is and grotesquely complex in detail looking somewhat like a huge pagoda of which the second third and fourth stories have been squeezed down and telescoped into one another by their own weight crested at its summit like a feudal helmet 
with two colossal fishes of bronze lifting their curved bodies skyward from either angle of the roof and bristling with horned gables and gargoyled eaves and tilted puzzles of tiled roofing at every story the creation is a veritable architectural dragon made up of magnificent monstrosities a dragon moreover full of eyes set at all conceivable angles above below and on every side from under the black scowl of the loftiest eaves looking east and south the whole city can be seen at a single glance as in the vision of a soaring hawk and from the north angle the view plunges down three hundred feet to the castle road where walking figures of men appear no larger than flies section seventeen the grim castle has its legend it is related that in accordance with some primitive and barbarous custom precisely like that of which so terrible a souvenir has been preserved for us in the most pathetic of servian ballads the foundation of skadra a maiden of matsue was interred alive under the walls of the castle at the time of its erection as a sacrifice to some forgotten gods her name has never been recorded nothing concerning her is remembered except that she was beautiful and very fond of dancing now after the castle had been built it is said that a law had to be passed forbidding that any girl should dance in the streets of matsue for whenever any maiden danced the hill oshirayama would shudder and the great castle quiver from basement to summit section eighteen one may still sometimes hear in the streets a very humorous song which every one in town formerly knew by heart celebrating the seven wonders of matsue for matsue was formerly divided into seven quarters in each of which some extraordinary object or person was to be seen it is now divided into five religious districts each containing a temple of the state religion people living within those districts are called ujiko and the temple the ujigami or dwelling place of the tutelary god the ujiko must support the ujigami every village and town has at least one ujigami there is probably not one of the multitudinous temples of matsue which has not some marvellous tradition attached to it each of the districts has many legends and i think that each of the thirty-three streets has its own special ghost story of these ghost stories i cite two specimens they are quite representative of one variety of japanese folklore near to the fumo-in temple which is in the northeastern quarter there is a bridge called azuki togibashi or the bridge of the washing of peas for it was said in other years that nightly a phantom woman sat beneath that bridge washing phantom peas there is an exquisite japanese iris flower of rainbow violet color which flower is named kakitsubata and there is a song about that flower called kakitsubata nota now this song must never be sung near the azukitogibashi because for some strange reason which seems to have been forgotten the ghost haunting that place became so angry upon hearing it that to sing it there is to expose oneself to the most frightful calamities 
there was once a samurai who feared nothing who one night went to that bridge and loudly sang the song no ghost appearing he laughed and went home at the gate of his house he met a beautiful tall woman whom he had never seen before and who bowing presented him with a lacquered box fumibako such as women keep their letters in he bowed to her in his knightly way but she said i am only the servant this is my mistress gift and vanished out of his sight opening the box he saw the bleeding head of a young child entering his house he found upon the floor of the guest-room the dead body of his own infant son with the head torn off of the cemetery daioji which is in the street called nakabaramachi this story is told in nakabaramachi there is an ameya or a little shop in which mitsuame is sold the amber-tinted syrup made of malt which is given to children when milk cannot be obtained for them every night at a late hour there came to that shop a very pale woman all in white to buy one rin note rin one-tenth of a cent a small round copper coin with a square hole in the middle End of note. worth of mitsuame the ame seller wondered that she was so thin and pale and often questioned her kindly but she answered nothing at last one night he followed her out of curiosity she went to the cemetery and he became afraid and returned the next night the woman came again but bought no mitsuame and only beckoned to the man to go with her he followed her with friends into the cemetery she walked to a certain tomb and there disappeared and they heard under the ground the crying of a child opening the tomb they saw within it the corpse of the woman who nightly visited the ameya with a living infant laughing to see the lantern light and beside the infant a little cup of mitsuame for the mother had been prematurely buried the child was born in the tomb and the ghost of the mother had thus provided for it love being stronger than death section nineteen over the tenjinbashi or the bridge of tenjin and through small streets and narrow of densely populated districts and past many a tenantless and mouldering feudal homestead i make my way to the extreme southwestern end of the city to watch the sunset from a little sobaya note an inn where soba is sold End of note. facing the lake for to see the sun sink from this sobaya is one of the delights of matsue there are no such sunsets in japan as in the tropics the light is gentle as a light of dreams there are no furies of color there are no chromatic violences in nature in this orient all in sea or sky is tint rather than color and tint vapor toned i think that the exquisite taste of the race in the matter of colors and tints as exemplified in the dyes of their wonderful textures is largely attributable to the sober and delicate beauty of nature's tones in this all-temperate world where nothing is garish before me the fair vast lake sleeps 
softly luminous far ringed with chains of blue volcanic hills shaped like a sierra on my right at its eastern end the most ancient quarter of the city spreads its roofs of blue-gray tile the houses crowd thickly down to the shore to dip their wooden feet into the flood with a glass i can see my own windows and the far spreading of the roofs beyond and above all else the green citadel with its grim castle grotesquely peaked the sun begins to set and exquisite astonishments of tinting appear in water and sky then rich purples cloud broadly behind and above the indigo blackness of the serrated hills mist purples fading upward smokily into faint vermilions and dim gold which again melt up through ghostliest greens into the blue the deeper waters of the lake far away take a tender violet indescribable and the silhouette of the pine-shadowed island seems to float in that sea of soft sweet colour but the shallower and nearer is cut from the deeper water by the current as sharply as by a line drawn and all the surface on this side of that line is a shimmering bronze old rich ruddy gold bronze all the fainter colours change every five minutes wondrously change and shift like tones and shades of fine-shot silks section twenty often in the streets at night especially on the nights of sacred festivals matsuri one's attention will be attracted to some small booth by the spectacle of an admiring and perfectly silent crowd pressing before it as soon as one can get a chance to look one finds there is nothing to look at but a few vases containing sprays of flowers or perhaps some light gracious branches freshly cut from a blossoming tree it is simply a little flower show or more correctly a free exhibition of master skill in the arrangement of flowers for the japanese do not brutally chop off flower heads to work them up into meaningless masses of colour as we barbarians do they love nature too well for that they know how much the natural charm of the flower depends upon its setting and mounting its relation to leaf and stem and they select a single graceful branch or spray just as nature made it at first you will not as a western stranger comprehend such an exhibition at all you are yet a savage in such matters compared with the commonest coolies about you but even while you are still wondering at popular interest in this simple little show the charm of it will begin to grow upon you will become a revelation to you and despite your occidental idea of self-superiority you will feel humbled by the discovery that all flower displays you have ever seen abroad were only monstrosities in comparison with the natural beauty of those few simple sprays you will also observe how much the white or pale blue screen behind the flowers enhances the effect by lamp or lantern light for the screen has been arranged with a special purpose of showing the exquisiteness of plant shadows and the sharp silhouettes of sprays and blossoms cast thereon are beautiful beyond the imagining of any western decorative artist 
Section 21. It is still the season of mists in this land, whose most ancient name signifies the place of the issuing of clouds. With the passing of twilight, a faint, ghostly broom rises over lake and landscape, spectrally veiling surfaces, slowly obliterating distances. As I lean over the parapet of the Tenjinbashi, on my homeward way, to take one last look eastward, I find that the mountains have already been effaced. Before me there is only a shadowy flood, far vanishing into vagueness without a horizon, the phantom of a sea, and I become suddenly aware that little white things are fluttering slowly down into it from the fingers of a woman standing upon the bridge beside me and murmuring something in a low, sweet voice. She is praying for her dead child. Each of those little papers she is dropping into the current bears a tiny picture of Jizo, and perhaps a little inscription. For when a child dies, the mother buys a small woodcut, hanko, of Jizo, and with it prints the image of the divinity upon one hundred little papers, and she sometimes also writes upon the papers words signifying, for the sake of inscribing never the living but the kaimyo or the soul name only which the buddhist priest has given to the dead and which is written also upon the little commemorative tablet kept within the buddhist household shrine or butsuma then upon a fixed day most commonly the forty-ninth day after the burial she goes to some place of running water and drops the little papers therein one by one repeating as each slips through her fingers the holy invocation namu jizo dai bosatsu doubtless this pious little woman praying beside me in the dusk is very poor were she not she would hire a boat and scatter her tiny papers far away upon the bosom of the lake it is now only after dark that this may be done for the police i know not why have been instructed to prevent this pretty rite, just as in the open ports they have been instructed to prohibit the launching of the little straw boats of the dead, the shoryobune. But why should the papers be cast into running water? A good old Tendai priest tells me that originally the rite was only for the souls of the drowned, but now these gentle hearts believe that all waters flow downward to the shadow world and through the Sainokawara, where Jizo is. Section 22 At home again, I slide open once more my little paper window, and look out upon the night. I see the paper lanterns flitting over the bridge, like a long shimmering of fireflies. I see the specters of a hundred lights trembling upon the black flood. I see the broad shoji of dwellings beyond the river suffused with a soft yellow radiance of invisible lamps, and upon those lighted spaces I can discern slender moving shadows, silhouettes of graceful women. Devoutly do I pray that glass may never become universally adopted in Japan. There would be no more delicious shadows. I listen to the voices of the city a while. I hear the great bell of Tokoji rolling its soft buddhist thunder across the dark and the songs of the night walkers whose hearts have been made merry with wine 
and the long sonorous chanting of the night peddlers mm don yai soba yai it is the seller of hot soba japanese buckwheat making his last round umai handa machibito enda usemono ninso kaso kichikyo no urainai the cry of the itinerant fortune teller ameyu the musical cry of the seller of mitsuame the sweet amber syrup which children love amayu the shrilling call of the seller of amazake sweet rice wine kawachi no kuni hyotanyama koi no tsujiura the peddler of love papers of divining papers pretty tinted things with little shadowy pictures upon them when held near a fire or a lamp words written upon them with invisible ink begin to appear these are always about sweethearts and sometimes tell one what he does not wish to know the fortunate ones who read them believe themselves still more fortunate the unlucky abandon all hope the jealous become even more jealous than they were before from all over the city there rises into the night a sound like the bubbling and booming of great frogs in march the echoing of the tiny drums of the dancing girls of the charming geisha like the rolling of a waterfall continually reverberates the multitudinous pattering of geta upon the bridge a new light rises in the east the moon is wheeling up from behind the peaks very large and weird and wan through the white vapors again i hear the sounds of the clapping of many hands for the wayfarers are paying obeisance to otsuki-san from the long bridge they are saluting the coming of the white moon lady note according to the mythology of the kojiki the moon deity is a male divinity but the common people know nothing of the kojiki written in an archaic japanese which only the learned can read and they address the moon as otsuki-san or lady moon just as the old greek idealists did End of note. i sleep to dream of little children in some mouldering mossy temple court playing at the game of shadows and of demons End of chapter seven part three